Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 190 uh, of the show. My name is Evan. I am solo again. You're going to get two separate parts, uh, one for me, one for Matt this week. Bit of a scheduling conflict tonight. Something came up for Matt. He got stuck at work. Um, and I, I decided that I would just chill, give him the night off. Um and and record this part for you because I did all my notes this morning and I <clears throat> I wanted to get it out. So Matt will have uh, his portion of the episode out whenever he gets a second. I uh, figured I'd alleviate some stress and just go right for it. Um, we had I think just was it eight or ten games um over the last weekend and then Monday we had a couple of games as well. Um, yeah, Monday, there was three games, all absolute bangers, but we started off the week, uh, with Bournemouth and Chelsea. This was a 3-1 affair that saw Chelsea dominate, I'd say, on a goal-scoring front. Uh, Blues went to the beach and brought more goal-scoring prowess than we've seen in what feels like six months to a year, really, at this point. Uh, a ninth-minute goal from Cardio King, Connor Gallagher, saw the Blues take the early lead. He's able to sneak in right between Sinesi and Smith, latch onto a lovely cross from N'Golo Kante, found himself on the right flank. Gallagher converted and diverted a header right into the far corner of the net. Ten minutes later, uh, things started to look bleak uh, for the Blues, a little bit similar to how things have looked for them for the past three months. Um, when Bournemouth constructed absolutely lovely passing triangles right through the middle of the pitch, Christy freed up Vigno on the edge of the box, and he was able to curl just an absolutely divine right-footed shot right past Keppa. Things were locked at 1-1 until Benoit Badiashiel was able to convert a cross from Moroccan Pulisic, better known as Hakim Ziyech, with a thundering high kick right at the keeper, but way too much juice for Neto. He was never going to save that. In the 86th minute, Chow Felix was able to convert on a squatty square right from Raheem Sterling to make the score at 3-1, one of Chelsea's best offensive performances in months. We should note that Chelsea only scored uh, one goal last month, so I think they have four or five already this season, and we're only 10 days into May. So things looking up for Chelsea, maybe um, any sort of win or pointage uh, really would have been you know, a step up considering Chelsea, I don't think, had earned a point, um, maybe one point in the league uh, under Frank since he's come in. So good day for Chelsea, especially uh, traveling down to Bournemouth. Up next, <clears throat> City are league leaders versus Leeds, who are in the mud. Uh, City defeated Leeds at the Etihad in what seemed like a pretty complacent uh, affair from the league leaders. Holland hit the woodwork like eight times. Uh, he passed up a penalty to Gundogan, who was searching for a hat trick. After missing the penalty, Pep seemed incandescent, truly angry for the first time all season. He was just so mad with the decision to rotate the penalty to Gundogan. Uh, I totally understand it. I mean, from a player perspective, you want to try and get your guy, uh, especially a guy that doesn't get a lot of praise, even though he's one of, if not, he's Definitely a top five midfielder in the world, in my opinion. Uh, you want to get him some praise. You want to get him a hat trick. I totally get that. But Pep didn't see it that way. Uh, penalty takers, KDB and Holland, those are the guys that take the penalties. That's that's what Pep thought. So 
Goals in this one were few and far between when compared to the usual scoring clip uh, of City. In the 19th minute, Gundogan slotted home a square ball, played it for Mares. Just eight minutes later, Gundogan scored pretty much the same goal. I mean, it was nearly identical with service from Mares again. Then there was the penalty miss in the 83rd, which I brought up uh, after a long period of City chances, and this one went the wrong way for the host. So... What are you going to do? A minute later, Rodrigo scored for Leeds after Akanji was unable to clear the ball. This is sort of that defensive struggle that we saw earlier on in the season with City. Um, We've seen that dry up a bit. They've obviously been very clinical, but this was for sure a mistake. Uh, And Rodrigo, just a lovely stroke, took it right through and passed Ederson. uh, And and Pep was even more angry about the, the penalty after that. But... City were able to stay strong uh, and collected all three points at the end as we would have expected. So there's not really much going here. Leeds are currently in 19th on 30 points, so we're probably going to see them go down. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And then City, I mean, this was an opportunity to drop points, and they didn't have their best stuff whatsoever. So I think this is like 13 league games in a row that they won. And, you know, this one didn't go any different than we would have expected. Up next, Wolves versus Villa. This one was relatively boring. Um, it saw Wolves... <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. Continue their dominance at the Molyneux Fortress. Uh, the faithful rejoiced after a 1-0 victory uh, over an extremely impressive Villa side, I think. The only goal came from a belting strike from Totti that was birthed from a Ruben Neves corner. Uh, Totti received and smashed the ball right into the underside of the bar. 1-0 there, and then silence after. Villa dominated the game for sure, but Jose Saw had a really, really good showing. He kept Watkins, Mendia, and Traore off the score sheet, uh, and Emi Martinez kept Costa off the score sheet as well right after the stroke of halftime. That was a good chance, but um, Martinez was able to keep it out. In the end, uh, Mings and Mendia really did sell their chances at making this a real game, and Wolves walk away with the three points and a smile after coming up against an extremely hard to challenge Villa side. And we should, we should, you know, respect uh, the project really that's going on at Wolves because when Lopetegui came in uh, around Christmas, Wolves were bottom of the table. And since he's come in, I mean, right now the clip that they're on in their last five, they've got a win, a loss, a win, a loss, a win, a loss. Um, that's kind of just how it's been. I mean, they're they're taking points. If you're going to lose a couple of games, but this is much better than draws and losses. You'll take the wins. You know, you're still making nine points out of your last possible fifteen. This is good stuff, and it's not like Wolves have a world class lineup. This is this is impressive. He's been really good since he's come in, and then same thing with Unai Emery. I think we've been a little bit um, more praiseful, if that's a word, uh, towards Emery and Aston Villa, but it's just because they're higher in the table. Um, and this one, Lopetegui, you know, Spain versus Spain, he was the he was the one to take the, uh, the points. Up next, we had Tottenham and Crystal Palace. Uh, Roy's boys took a short ride to Hotspur Stadium, where they were defeated by essentially just Harry Kane, which seems to be an ever-popular theme this season. Uh, the lovely link-up from Poro and Kane after Poro picked up a loose ball on the right wing, allowed Kane to shirk his defenders and get into position to beat Danny Ward in the air, made it 1-0. Uh, Tottenham looked pretty dominant and controlled in the second half and were able to ease their way to the finish line with three points firmly in the bag. Palace just did not impress me in this game whatsoever. It was quiet in both periods for them. 
uh, and they spent a majority of the second half defending with more numbers than they probably should have. Uh, sitting in the spot they're in now, it doesn't make a ton of sense to throw everyone forward, but still, defending a 1-0 deficit instead of trying to erase it didn't really make for beautiful football to watch. And when I say Palace sitting where they are, they're in 12th. They're on 40 points. They've hit the magic number. They're not going to go down. Uh, I don't want to say that it's like complacency because it's not really complacency. I just don't, I don't know. They, they spent too much time defending in this game. They didn't have any desire to get on the front foot. And this is really what's going to happen when when that's your game plan. Um, Spurs are a good side on their day. I mean, their form is not great. They definitely needed a win here. And I think they'll be thrilled. I mean, they're on 57 points now. They're they're firmly in Europa League. Um, you know, Champions League is probably done and dusted at this point, but who knows? We did just see United drop points and you don't know when the other foot's going to drop or other shoe's going to drop for Liverpool. So we'll move right into Liverpool. Um, this was another 1-0 win for Liverpool. That's two on the bounce uh, with a 1-0 scoreline, but definitely a sweatier one this week than last. This is their sixth league game in a row, defeating an extremely tough-to-break Brentford side. They're currently in fifth after Mo Salah scored in the 13th to break the deadlock. Lovely build-up from Fabinho and Virgil van Dijk gave Salah enough room to get into position, where he was able to convert a quick pass from the center-back into a well-worked goal. Nunez had a chance on a ball uh, from Trent, but blew it, failing to hit the target from the center of the 18, which doesn't surprise me, but, you know, that's the way it's been going for Nunez. Uh, and Buemo thought he had scored right before the break, but it turns out that he was offside when Tony played the ball down the right flank. Uh, Liverpool came out of halftime firing and probably should have scored two more in the half, but TAA and Gakpo both denied themselves goals from simple positions. Twetty uh, and foolish finishing from Liverpool, but three points is three points in their position. We will move on to Arsenal and Newcastle. This one was a fantastic watch. My Gunners went up to Newcastle to take on the ever-growing threat of Newcastle United and came away with a shiny three points. Arsenal have secured at least second place finish following this victory. And despite Newcastle's extremely hot start, it was the Gunners who were able to handedly win the game thanks to an unreal performance from future England number one, I hope, Aaron Ramsdale. After the sneak goal scoring threat of the year, Jacob Murphy thundered one off the bar. Newcastle had an early shout for a penalty. Bar to the rescue, though, no pen, thankfully. Uh, after that, Arsenal were shaky. You know, they were shaky really for the first 10 minutes. But then came the captain in the 14th minute. Jorginho, who had a wonderful game pulling the, scre- uh, the strings from the midfield, picked out Odegaard a few yards off the 18, where he drilled a low strike, a laser really, through the defenders. Arsenal, against the run of play, went up 1-0. From there on, the Gunners were certainly the better team. They ran circles around Newcastle and had multiple chances on goal, but were bested by a very good on-the-day Nick Pope. In the 71st minute, when things were breaking down for Newcastle and tensions were flaring, Martinelli cooked two defenders down the left flank and attempted to square the ball to a waiting Gabriel Jesus, but Shaw intervened and poked the ball into his own net. All quiet on the front after the own goal, aside from some shithousery from both sides. Uh, all in all, I think a really great match and two great performances from keepers kept the scoreline way lower than it should have been. Um, and these are both guys who I rate higher than, than Pickford, for sure. Uh, I don't doubt that Either Pope or uh, Ramsdale will be taking over that spot for uh, for, jo- for Jordan Jordan Pickford. 
uh, within the next year or so. I would hope Southgate will open his eyes and see that there are two English goalkeepers who have just been outstanding this year. Pope is probably a better option, to be honest with you. Ramsdale, I feel, gets caught out a little bit more than Pope, but it's just because he's so aggressive. Um, Pope is for sure a better shot stopper that's going to sit in the net just as a, a static a wall, if you will. Um, so I, either way, I mean, I'd love to see Ramsdale be the English keeper, but I, I think, you know, they, Southgate has to move on to somebody, and it'll definitely be one of those. Onwards to West Ham United versus Manchester United. A fortunate first-half strike from Saeed Benrama was the difference at the London Stadium. A 1-0 victory for David Moyes and his irons over his former employer from Manchester. And how sweet it would be for the London club who sit near the relegation zone. After scrapping for months on end to get themselves to a good place, West Ham finally get a win against a formidable opponent and see themselves starting to exit the relegation scrap. United weren't abysmal on the day and actually had the first concrete chances in the game. From the 10th to the 17th, the Devils had three chances that unfortunately just did not fall for them. Then in the 27th, Benrahma received the ball after Antonio bullied Shaw right off of it and fired early from 20 yards. De Gea was scrambling and caught off guard and so the ball went in. One nil to the hosts. Uh, in the end, United called Fabianski to action a few times, but the Hammers' defense was rock solid in this one. Not something you hear us say uh, all the time about West Ham, but they were certainly good on this day, and these three points all but guarantee that we will see West Ham in the Premier League next season. So bravo to them. They're in 15th on 37 points. Uh, just need one more win, and you pretty much guarantee that you are staying up, and I personally don't doubt that we will see them. Next year, blowing bubbles again. Um, okay, let's move on to the bangers. These were the Monday games. There was so much action. I tried to write goal recaps for everything, but there was just too much. Um, we had a, excuse me, 5-3, a 1-5, and a 4-3, and they didn't all go the way that we thought. So we'll start off with Fulham 5, Leicester City 3. Uh, goals from William and Carlos Vinicius saw the Cottagers take a 2-0 lead inside the first 20 minutes of the game. Tom Kearney added two from the center mid position in the 44th and the 51st, and then Leicester stormed back in the second half. Ultimately, a 4-0 deficit would prove to be way too much to recover from as Barnes and Madison's goals fell on deaf ears. Barnes scored in the 59th and 89th, and Madison wove a penalty in between. This eruption of goals from Fulham was a bit of a return to the Mitrovic early season days, where it appeared that Fulham could truly contend in big matches. And on the other side, this was an examination of the defensive issues that Leicester have faced pretty much all season. Uh, things are dark at Leicester City Football Club, and the lights are still on at Fulham, despite them being mitrovic So. It's it's getting to be that time. It's getting late really early. Uh, I think we've got four more weeks, and Leicester City are on 30 points. You know, they are they are ways off uh, from safety, and it does appear that Nottingham Forest, Everton are still going to be in and around that scrap, uh, but Leicester is certainly towards the bottom of the heap, and I wouldn't be surprised at this point if there were a team to go down. <clears throat> Okay, up next, Everton versus Brighton. Uh, Brighton defeated Everton 5-1. Oh, no. No, 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 no. They didn't. Everton defeated Brighton 5-1. 
an absolute masterclass from Sean Dyche and his boys against one of the best teams in the Premier League this season. Goals from Abdoulaye Ducouré in the 1st and 29th, an own goal from Steele in the 35th, and two goals from Dwight McNeil saw Everton erupt for five goals. Alexis McAllister, who will surely be wearing Merseyside red next season, scored in the 79th, but it was a helpless effort. Everton absolutely dominated a Brighton defense who are rarely shaky uh, in this game. With only 22% possession, Everton were able to convert five times. That's right, five. I know I keep saying it. Five goals with 22% possession. One of them was an own goal, but still so impressive. This is one of those FIFA scorelines if I've ever seen it. Both teams did have five shots on target, but only one was able to convert. After this one, Everton sit in 17th on 32 points. Two points clear of the drop with some serious competition rounding out the year. But what a day for the Toffees. <clears throat> in our last game of the week, uh, Forest, the Tricky Trees versus Southampton. This one was a seven-goal thriller at City Ground. We saw the, the Tricky Trees secure another three points at home. Taiwo Amoni does not want to go down whatsoever, and so he scored two in the first 20 minutes. Alcaraz, who's been quite good for Southampton towards the end of the season, got one back for the Saints in the 25th, but a penalty from Gibbs-White in the 44th saw the Trees go into a half with a 3-1 lead. Lianco scored in the 51st to make it 3-2, but ultimately Danilo, who now has three goals in the last three weeks and is in sensational form, converted one back to take it to 4-2. Ward-Prowse converted in the 96th on a penalty because, of course, he did, but ultimately it wasn't enough to secure any sort of pointage for the Saints. Southampton are still bottom of the table with six points to go to reach Leeds and Leicester on 30 points. Relegation is all but set for the Saints. Thankfully, I'll take JWP, and I'm sure Matt would too at Chelsea, and Forrest eat closer to safety, sitting in 16th after the weekend. That is all from me. That is almost all. That is all of the games within 18 minutes. Um, that's a rapid one, but I kind of scripted out this morning, uh, you know, the games, what happened, goal description, stuff like that. I don't always do that. Uh, I know Matt writes a script. That's sort of just how he goes for it. It's not a full script, but, you know, he, he writes down his talking points. And I, I get a really good chance to watch a majority of the games, so I kind of just fire from the hip. Uh, this was this was actually nice. This was an interesting little experiment. I don't I don't think it's something I'll do every week, but I think that's the first time I've I've written about sports. Those are tiny little descriptions, but um, first time I've written anything really about sports in in probably a year. So that was super enjoyable. Um, you know, let us know what you think about these sorts of things. I could probably do one of these every week, just 15-minute breakdown of everything that happened uh, in the league game-wise. So, yeah, let us know. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media. Sorry for the short one. I probably could have gone longer. I was worried that I thought Matt and I were going to record together, so I was worried I was going to be too rambly too long, but it actually worked out that it was just... Uh, I could just go right through it. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media uh, at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I had a wisdom tooth taken out, so I am off to go ice it. Uh, my mouth is killing me right now, but I wanted to make sure that you guys had something to listen to 
uh, recapping the games. For picks um, for next week, what I'm going to do is shoot Matt my picks, and all of my picks will be right, um, you know, right there for you uh, when Matt uploads his portion of the show. So thank you guys again for listening, and we'll see you all next week.